We're continuing our series on the Ten Commandments. Today, uh, thou shalt not murder. Uh, Thou shalt not kill. The Sixth Commandment is very clear. There's not uh, a lot of uh, give and take to it. Uh, A lot of you might say this morning, well, Pastor, we can just skip that one. Uh, We're not planning on killing anybody. Well, I know that uh, your urge to murder never happens, but do you ever get uh, just really, really mad at your husband or wife? Does that ever happen? The newly married uh, husband was off at work, and when he came home, he found his young bride just crying her eyes out. She was just crying to beat the band, and... uh, He said, well, darling, what is the matter? What could be the matter? And she said, well, the most horrible thing has happened. And she cried a little more. She said, "Uh, the phone rang. And I went to answer the phone. It was an important call. And uh, I had to talk for a while. And I had just taken out uh, the first pot roast I have ever made for you. And I had it out, and this phone call went on and on, and uh, I was trying to season it a little bit while I was talking. And then when I went back, the cat had gotten on the pork roast and had eaten a lot of it, and she started crying again. And the new husband said, well, darling, it's all right. Everything's all right. Everything's all right. We can get a new cat tomorrow. Clarence Darrow once said, I've never killed anybody, but I have read a lot of obituaries with glee. (laughs) By the time American children are in the sixth grade, they have already witnessed 8,000 murders on TV. Uh, They have watched over 100,000 acts of violence on TV. We live actually in a very violent society. Every 22 minutes, now think of this, every 22 minutes, day and night, in America, someone is stabbed, they are uh, strangled, uh, they are killed, Uh, by shooting, or they are beaten to death every 22 minutes in America. One person dies in that way. Well, this country has the highest homicide rate of any country in the world. Uh, You know, I think about some of those countries uh, way over there, and I think, well, gosh, they've got to be worse. Well, the stats say that we're worse. And uh, that's surprising to us. In fact, more kids die from violence in America than they do from illness. Now, when you look at this verse on the surface, it appears to be very straightforward. uh, But actually, it is often misunderstood, misapplied, and misinterpreted. So this morning, I want to speak to you about what this commandment says, what it means, And what it doesn't mean. What this commandment is not about 
I want to talk with you about that first. Number one, it's not prohibiting killing animals. That's not what it's about. The Bible is very clear about the difference between human beings and animals. In fact, the Bible, in the Bible, God commanded that animals be sacrificed. One of the things that we need to remind ourselves of is that God never contradicts himself. He would not say one thing in one place in the Bible and then say something else in another place in the Bible that would contradict what he had said earlier. In many places, he clearly says that it is okay to kill animals. One fact uh, uh, that is very, very clear is Genesis 9-3. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Uh, Very, very clear. So after the service today, you can go out and eat lunch, eat a big steak, and not feel bad about it. Uh, Go right ahead. Uh, You don't have to be a vegetarian unless you just really want to be. And you can go ahead. Well, it's okay to eat animals for food. Like everything else, we're to be good stewards of that privilege. We should eat everything that we kill. I've preached through the Ten Commandments numerous times in my life, and I always say right here, except armadillos. Uh, (laughs) Don't eat armadillos. They're terrible. All right, secondly, it is not prohibiting capital punishment. In fact, many times in the Scripture, God says that... uh, Capital punishment is demanded. Many times he said crime, uh, a particular crime, is worthy of the death penalty. Leviticus 24.17 says, Anyone who commits murder shall be put to death. It can't be much clearer than that. God says there are some things, like murder, which deserve and should have the death penalty. To maintain order in our society, God has delegated his authority in some ways to the government. The Bible says God has allowed government to be set up to maintain law and order and to punish the wrongdoers, including capital punishment. Romans 13.4 says, The government is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring about punishment to the wrongdoer. There is no perfect government. We're well aware of that, aren't we? There is no one that is right in everything they do, but they do keep law in order. God wants justice in this world. He demands swift justice. Our system of appeals has made a mockery of this guarantee. When President William McKinley was assassinated, uh, his assassin was caught and convicted and executed in 53 days. Do you think uh, that would happen today? No, 
Uh, not a chance. When Ted Bundy was executed years ago, guess how long it was from crime to punishment? 11 years. Uh, when John Wayne Gacy was executed, it happened 14 years after all the things that he had done wrong. Who paid for all of those years they were in prison? We did. You did. Uh, that is not justice. We need to understand that the Bible does not prohibit capital punishment. I'm sure somebody would say, well, capital punishment does not deter criminals. Well, it deters the one that we execute. Maybe another little amen there would be good. Third, uh, this commandment is not prohibiting going to war. In fact, Ecclesiastes 3.8 says, there is a time for war. It's true that God's perfect will is that there would be peace among men. That's what we want. Uh, we want that in the world at all times everywhere. However, because of sin, uh, God's perfect will is often prevented from happening in this world. God says there are some things worth fighting for. And there are some things worth dying for. It's right to fight to preserve freedom. This country has done that again and again and again. It's right to fight to defend innocent people. We have literally done that all over the world. It is right to stop the spread of evil like ISIS. And we are doing that this very day and I'm glad of it. All that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Now the second half of this sermon. Uh, how does this commandment apply to the family? Uh, when you think about it, the very first act of murder was committed in the family. As you know, Cain killed his brother. In fact, most violent crimes in America take place in the home. You can ask any law enforcement people in our church, and we have a number of them, uh, it is a terrible thing when a policeman gets a domestic violence call because that is the most dangerous call that they get. More policemen are killed in the line of duty answering domestic violence calls than any other kind of call. Uh, it's a scary time in their life when they go to deal with that. So what is God saying when he says to us, do not murder? I believe God is telling us no to three different things. And I want to talk with you about those three things today. First, God says no to suicide. Uh, when they told Cindy and I that uh, she had uh, uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, they wanted us to do some things at the hospitals, and so we visited uh, some of the places, and we went into one room, I will never forget this as long as I live, where everybody in that room was all bent over and 
and turn sideways and all kinds of physical deformities because of that disease. It was, it was like uh, going into a very, very scary room. And I'm sure the thought uh, went through Cindy's mind as well as mine. I never said anything, but, uh, you know, the thought went through my mind. You know, it would be better that these folks could just pass on and be with Jesus than go through this horrible, horrible uh, life uh, that they're having. Well, there's one thing about if people die. There's another thing uh, about killing people. And, and those are some issues that we have to face in our society. Did you know that suicide is the number two killer among college students in America today? And it's the number three killer among high school students across America today. More kids are killed uh, by suicide than by traffic. And God says, don't do it. People say, uh, it's my life, and I can live it any way I want to, and I can take my life anytime I want to. God says, no, you don't. He's saying, I gave you your life, and only I have the right to take it away. You don't own your life. You don't own the right to take your life. You were bought with a price. We're not our own. That's what the scripture says. God says, I have decided the number of days that you're going to live, and I don't want you short-circuiting that. Most of us, at different times, have gone through a real, real hard time in our life. Maybe we have been in depression for a period of time. Maybe we have had a, a... whole bunch of things go wrong, terribly wrong, about the same time in our life, and it was just absolutely awful, just awful. And we had the thought kind of slip through our mind, is it worth still living? And if you are considering suicide this morning, I want to say to you, there is hope and that you really matter to God. You really do. God made you for a purpose. He cares about you, and he will help you move through that time of despair in your life if you'll turn it over to him. When you go out uh, to the beach and you watch the tide go out, you notice after a period of time, if you stay long enough, the tide comes back in. It always goes like that. And the tide may be out in your life right now. And you may uh, have noticed that when the tide's out, the beach is not so pretty. There's trash that is exposed. There's this and that. It's just not as pretty when the tide is all the way out. But hang in there because guess what? The tide... Is coming back in. And if you have considered the fact that your life is not worth living, I want to say to you again that you really matter to God and that you matter to some of the folks in this church that know you, 
that have grown to love you, care about you. They're willing to work with you to talk through whatever issue you're facing. If you'll just let us know. God has promised to lead us through the valley. We don't stay in the valley forever. He'll lead us through the valley if we'll walk with him. He says no to suicide. Secondly, he says no to mercy killing. The technical term is euthanasia, as you know. What is euthanasia? Euthanasia is causing, causing the death of someone because of a physical or mental or emotional impairment. I'm not talking about allowing nature uh, to take its course uh, and to take uh, its way in the life of the individual. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about using heroic methods to keep a person alive. I'm not talking about any of those things. I am talking about causing someone to die because they're inconvenient or we think they're inconvenient uh, because we don't think they're worth living anymore. God says you do not have a right to do that. Only God has the right to decide when somebody ought to stop living. Third, God says no to abortion. Psalms 139, 13 and following says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. Your eyes were on me. You saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, if you'll just take those three verses, those three verses, look again at the passage and notice, maybe you even want to underline, the times that it says, I, me, my. Uh, it, it is saying, you saw me. You created me. You were forming me. You knew I was there. God is trying to tell each and every one of us that that is a person inside of that mother that is not just a blob of tissue. Notice that the Bible says, all my days were numbered before I was born. Well, if all of your days are numbered, uh, then abortion is the ultimate of short-circuiting of God's will. You know the facts about abortion as I do. They are unbelievable. Uh, 26%, I think it's even a little higher than that now, of all pregnancies in America now end in abortion. One out of four. It's really a little higher than that now. Over 30 million Americans have been killed by abortion. 
Do you realize that that's more than all the deaths in all the wars that America has ever fought? Approximately 97% of all abortions are not the result of rape or incest. They are not because the mother's life is in danger. It's simply because the mother is inconvenienced. Some say, I choose not to have this baby because it is not my lifestyle at this time. I like the bumper sticker that said, support unborn women's rights. God says abortion is wrong. If you don't believe that, then you better get out your your knife and uh, go to work on your Bible uh, because it's in there. There is the argument that no child should be brought into this world unwanted. Have you heard that? I've heard that many times. I say the fallacy of that line of thought is maybe the parents don't want the child or the mother doesn't want the child, but God does. God wants that child to be born. That's why he allowed the conception to occur. The good news is if you have had an abortion, and of course I'm sure there's many in this room that have had an abortion, Just ask your loving Lord to forgive you, and he will. Did you know that most of the Bible was written by three men who killed somebody? Paul, David, and Moses all killed somebody. And yet they came to God, they were forgiven, and then they were used mightily by God to do a lot of really wonderful things and, and world-changing things. God used those three men in a wonderful way. That's the message of grace that we sang about this morning. It doesn't matter so much where you've been as it matters where you are headed today. God says, Thou shall not murder. At the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington years ago, Mother Teresa of Calcutta spoke to over 3,000 people. President Clinton and his wife, Vice President Gore and his wife, and many of the congressional Senate leaders were there. Um, The audience was overwhelmingly pro-choice. The 83-year-old nun was physically weak but she was spiritually and rhetorically powerful, powerful. She spoke to the heart of the social ills afflicting America. She tied abortion to the growing violence and murder in the streets of America. She said, if we accept that a mother can kill her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill each other? Mother Teresa continued, any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love one another, but rather to use violence to get what they want. She said, many people in America are very, very concerned about those hungry children in India and Africa, the ones that are starving, and that's a good concern. 
But many of those same people are not concerned with the millions of babies that are being deliberately killed by the decision of their mother. Cal Thomas recently wrote, Why we, why do we agonize over indiscriminate deaths in war when babies are being killed far more efficiently and out of the sight of the television cameras here in America? There is something wrong in America when on one floor of the hospital they are giving Herculean efforts to save a baby. Maybe a preemie, maybe a baby that has some kind of physical difficulty. They're going through every possible thing known to man to save that baby. And then on the next floor, one floor down, they're killing hundreds of babies. On the next floor, as doctors and nurses move from one floor to the next, no one can really explain the ethics of what is happening. It gets confusing to the hospital staff what they're doing. We're doing so well in this country combating post-birth child abuse. If you hurt or maim or abuse a small child, the law enforcement officials and the courts are going to bring you to accountability. But in the strangest twist of logic, if the child has not yet entered the birth canal, the parents, the mother, can have the life of the baby terminated. Since 1973, the Roe v. Wade decision, we have learned that it is not a lifeless lump of tissue in the womb. With the advances of ultrasound, We now know and we can now see that baby inside of the stomach of the mother. And anyone that watches that ultrasound knows that that is a child in there. Let's begin a new chapter today. Let's honor life. The sixth commandment says, Thou shall not murder. Well, today... Uh, I know this is a very serious topic, but maybe there are some folks in the congregation today that want to do a very serious thing. You want to commit your life to Christ and trust in him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe there are some in the house today that want to make a public profession of their faith in him. I pray that you would do that today, that you would slip forward and take a stand for Christ today. Maybe there are some that have been visiting with us that want to come and join our family. The doors are wide open, and we want you to come. We'd love it if you could come, and we will take you in immediately. You don't have to wait nine months. We'll take you right on in. Uh, I'm going to stand down at the front. If the Lord leads, you just slip out, slip forward, take a stand for Christ. Let's stand.